0: Welcome to a special edition of the Lab of Global Leaders podcast. Here is our special guest host, Dr. Anis Abdul-Ameed. We're pleased to have with us today, Dr. Subhasri Arman. How are you doing today, Subhasri? Hi Anis, I'm good but can't say the same with the current
1: global situation of the COVID pandemic and the uncontrolled spike of positive cases like wildfire um, with the Omicron variant. So sad to say it's not a very good world right now. Though, anyways, could you just uh, call me Subha? No
0: formalities, please. Sure thing, Subha. And I agree with you. Um, We are seeing a rather um, troubling maybe uh, with with the current situation, but I guess as life goes on, I think we will um, manage this and we will see brighter days ahead. So Subha, let's start with your background. Could you share with us how you got to where you are today? Well, let's see. From as young as
1: I could remember, even in my primary school, I always wanted to be a doctor. So, um, I guess I did five years of undergraduate uh, medical degree in the Malacca manipal Medical College, which is now, I think, called uh, Manipal International University. And uh, after that, uh, I went into four years of master's in pathology for the division of anatomic pathology in the University of Putra Malaysia, which is in Malaysia, under uh, the Ministry of Health Scholarship. And after that, another two years of subspecialty training in molecular pathology and biobanking under the uh, Ministry of Health Scholarship. And... I was also glad to have the Giordano Fellowship awarded by the European Society of Pathology for me to pursue this training. And so after so many years, finally now uh, I'm a molecular pathologist in Hospital Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia.
0: Thank you, Suba. Just for the benefit of our listeners, could you just share with us how is the medical system in Malaysia? be it from your point of view as a medical trainee um, going into laboratory medicine, could you just share with us some some points of that? Well, um,
1: what I'm uh, I could tell you uh, the journey that um, uh, a medical doctor would take, uh, but I think a lot of it has changed right now. Uh, And It's an evolving change uh, for the new generation, but uh, during my time, um, in order to be a doctor after four years of um, uh, undergraduate uh, medical school, um, then we get into a housemanship uh, service, whereby uh, we do it in any of the government hospitals in Malaysia. And um, uh, in my time, uh, the housemanship period was about one and a half years. And um, then we are required to go uh, outside of the city to service um, outskirt hospitals, um, district hospitals, uh, to gain um, experience, you know, where there are no uh, uh, specialists around, or maybe the specialist uh, comes just as a visiting um, service. So how would we handle uh, patients in that uh, degree? So I was sent to uh, a small uh, town called Telo Intan in in Perak, which is in Malaysia. It's one of another neighboring state in Malaysia. Uh, And I was there for two years as a medical officer. And um, I was in the obstetric and gynecology department. It's um, actually my favorite department. Um, I actually got into um, being a doctor because I wanted to do obstetric and gynecology. Uh, However, you know, life had other plans for me and now I'm a pathologist. So uh, I did two years of uh, obstetric gynecology and then um, I got married. So, I had to get transferred to live with my husband in Kuala Lumpur again, um, but uh, unfortunately uh, when, when we get transferred, we don't actually um, get the department that uh, we, we would like to have, you know, it depends on availability of space in a particular hospital. and. Um, To my surprise, I was transferred to the Institute of Medical Research under the Ministry of Health. Uh, This is one of the oldest um, uh, medical research institute uh, for the government and for Malaysia. Uh, And I knew nothing about research because uh, during our undergraduate days, we didn't have much exposure with research. Nevertheless, you know, I, I'm always up for a challenge and I just took the challenge and I told myself it's okay, I would have more time in the research institute to study and prep myself for uh, application of masters in obstetric and gynecology. So um, I got into the uh, Institute of Medical Research. So. Um, In a nutshell, uh, a medical officer, after their housemanship, they have to do about three years of medical service before they could apply for masters. And um, uh, so I did, you know, I applied for my masters, and then uh, they would have another four years of their masters uh, in any of the available uh, universities, uh, depending on uh, the field that they would choose. And after that, it depends, uh, they become a specialist, but whether they would want to do their subspeciality or not, it all depends on the individual. But most often, um, uh, doctors who work in the central areas um, like Kuala Lumpur uh, are pushed to do their subspeciality because um, Kuala Lumpur Hospital actually is a premier hospital as the main referral center for uh, the the entire uh, Malaysia, uh, and uh, so we would need more subspecialists uh, in this hospital, and therefore uh, I had to do my subspecialty uh, in pathology. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember our time, we were in Institute of Medical Research, although in different units, and who knew that would be a, the stepping stone for us into pathology. So Subha, um, what drew you specifically to molecular pathology? Oh, well,
1: um, you know, in the years that we were in uh, in the Institute for Medical Research, actually, our relationship came even uh, earlier than that, right, I Anis? Mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, we yes, we even went to the same undergraduate uh, college yeah. together. But who would have thought that we we now even after twenty years we are in the same field in different divisions?
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm so glad I have you in microbiology. <laughs> I can't ask you anything about the COVID.
0: <laughs> yes, and anything about tissue diagnosis, you are my SOS. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: So anyways, your question about the molecular pathology, Mm -hmm. actually, um, in the Institute of Medical Research, when we were there, um, Malaysia wasn't really um, very much in line with this molecular pathology uh, part and and how it would serve um, the medical line and how it would help in the management of patients. But um, from what I, uh, from my knowledge, through my experience of being attached to all these um, hospitals that I've been to, I know that um, internationally uh, molecular pathology has been born about 15 to 20 years back. So this would be somewhere around our time in um, uh, the Institute of Medical Research. But uh, I guess Malaysia was not ready um, financially, and even uh, I guess in the mindset to educate the patients and also the
0: clinicians. And also and so, infra, infrastructurally, we were also still catching up, right? Yes, true
1: so uh, so a lot of a lot of the part of molecular pathology is was being practiced in research uh, rather than um, diagnostics um so so in that way we were actually uh, exposed to it uh, in the early stages uh, in research when uh, and we benefited from that because we were in the right place at the right time which is the institute of medical research uh so uh, my journey into this molecular pathology, as I said, you know, started in the in Institute of Medical Research uh, somehow not because I wanted it, uh, because as you know, you know I wanted to be an obstetric and gynecologist. <laughs> but when I joined uh, the IMR, um, I was just put into this new project, establishing a Biobank or tissue repository as they say, which comes under the Ministry of Health directly. And uh, nobody knew anything about it. Even my bosses were, um, they knew what it was, but how do we establish it? You know, nobody had the time to do this. Then here came uh, a new medical officer. So let's, um, let's give her a challenge. This is what they thought and they gave me the challenge of establishing this uh, biobank in IMR. Uh, it Well, I did take the challenge. And uh, since it was new, so I grew and I learned together with it. Uh, uh, I, was, uh, I had to do a lot of reading and thankfully there was already guidelines uh, internationally that I could refer to. And uh, there were also uh, banks set up even locally in our universities uh, like the UKM, University of Malaysia, was uh, one of the first biobanks that was established in Malaysia. And um, I also visited the uh, Singapore Biobank to get some references on how to establish our biobank in Malaysia. And uh, with some additional courses, I managed to do this. Uh, within uh, two years, uh, which was just sufficient before I got my master's. So since my uh, bosses felt that I really had the um, niche uh, to do this, they said, oh, to handle a biobank, you need a pathologist. And um, and since you are great at doing this, uh, we suggest that you should do your master's in pathology. So I was like, uh, oh no, how am I going to handle my my, uh, my entire career looking at microscopes every day, and I wouldn't be able to see patients. Um, but, um, you know, I knew that I did have that passion of this uh, tissue banking. And uh, along with the tissue banking, I also learned about nucleic acid extraction and uh, Tissue preservation, uh, pre analytical tissue um, uh, needs and blood needs. So, uh, this did interest me. And and also, you know, I I, uh, uh, had the push from my bosses. So, I thought, okay, maybe this is uh, life has another plan for me, and this could be uh, a place for me to, uh, to excel in. And uh, so I did uh, apply for the master's. Um, They had a pre-entrance exam uh, to see if you are uh, good enough to enter the pathology master's at that time. And I'm so glad I made it in the first try. So that gave me a good push too, you know, to say that, yes, maybe I do have something uh, with some connection with pathology. And uh, so hence my journey in pathology started. But when I started loving pathology, that I would say my second year of um, uh, anatomic pathology training, because in the first year of uh, pathology training in Malaysia, we do general pathology, we do all divisions. But uh, I knew that I loved anatomic pathology uh, when I got into it in my second year. Second year, right through my fourth year. So, um, but still, you know, I didn't know that I would have an interest in molecular pathology, but biobanking, that never really left me because uh, my bosses from IMR still consulted me for advice and things like that um, uh, regarding the biobanking even when I left IMR. Uh, So, then I became a a pathologist um, uh, I was transferred uh, again. You know, we have to do a gazettement period as well as, uh, as well as uh, servicing uh, hospitals outside of the uh, center of this uh, of the country, and therefore I, I was sent to, to another uh, state called Penang, and I I served in that hospital for about uh, one and a half years. Um, and during that time, uh, my my bosses from IMR, you know, they said, uh, okay, you're a pathologist now, and that's what we wanted for the biobank, and so we need you to come back, but I wasn't ready to give up my um, diagnostic service, you know, Uh, I love to research, yes, uh, I had an interest for that, but I, I just didn't want to uh, let go of my diagnostic service and I told them, you know, is there a way that I could do both, you know, maybe I could be a visiting for the for the IMR, but my uh, my diagnostic service still goes on. And so, hence, I was transferred back to Hospital Kuala Lumpur uh, as a pathologist first. And with uh, a few visiting days for the biobanking and helping out in research to the IMR, uh, and that is when um, uh, at that time uh, it was a it was a plan uh, in the pathology national services to establish molecular pathology, especially uh, molecular testing for cancer, and so my boss, Dr. Arni Talib, who was the head of um, pathology uh, in Hospital Palo Lumpur, as well as the head of pathology services, um, felt that we need to establish this molecular pathology testing in the premier hospital uh, to serve uh, nationally. And, uh, and they needed somebody uh, who could do this and since I had some background with nucleic acid uh, extraction and uh, some research background on molecular and biobanking, so uh, lo and behold, you know, I was uh, I had to be pushed into doing the molecular pathology, but I loved it. The moment that, uh, I started it, I I really loved doing it, and um, I think this was my real niche uh and so hence you know uh now i'm a molecular pathologist after all the training
0: (laughs) i remember i tried to persuade you to come towards microbiology earlier on when we were doing our first year together but your love prevailed but so um i think uh could you share with us how is it doing the hands-on nucleic acid testing and um you know uh Going and seeing a different, um, how do I say this? A different, um, uh, view of uh, you know, molecular pathology, uh, when you actually went for your subspecialization. How was that for you? Could you share with us? Yes. Uh, yes, um, well, uh, as I mentioned,
1: you know, I had uh two years of um, uh, training before um, I even came back as a molecular pathologist. Uh, But in fact, uh, when I was transferred to hospital Kuala Lumpur uh, end of 2016, uh, I was already expected to start up some of the tests, uh, especially the fluorescent in-situ testing as well as the molecular-based immunohistochemistry testing. And so there were a lot of things that I had to learn on my own. Thankfully, I had a scientific officer um, who had a master's in this field. And so he knew what he was doing. Uh, so um, as, he, as we were setting the test up, uh, I learned together with him, you know, since he knew something about, uh, especially, you know, uh, pathologists. Yes, um, at the end of our subspeciality, we are going to validate um, uh, the results, but it's uh, I do encourage all uh, junior uh, doctors who would like to go into molecular pathology, you have to go into the bench work and uh, do the test yourself try it yourself, you know, the pipetting, the extraction, learn the flow. Uh, This is very important and it's very interesting. In fact, um, when I started doing it, um, I felt like, oh, could I be given some time to do the lab work myself, you know, but unfortunately not. Um, But I knew, I knew what um, the scientific officers were talking about, you know, when they talk about the technical aspects. So this is very important for us to do some bench work uh, during our training. So, uh, so my journey started there when I learned about this and when I was um, uh, given the scholarship uh, is when I was allowed to go to uh, different hospitals uh, to get my attachments. Uh, and therefore, you know, I chose to go one year out of hospital Kuala Lumpur to go to the private hospitals and the uh, local universities who were already established with all this molecular testing and biobanking, uh, much ahead of the Ministry of Health. Um, and uh, learning the different uh, techniques and the various ways of how they handle uh, algorithm and the flow of their test, this is very important. So I do encourage everyone to have uh, uh, a good attachment of various different places uh, in order for you to learn the different uh, ways and techniques that you could uh, apply this molecular uh, testing um, to your own establishment. Because um, different establishments have different Uh, problems, you know, some could have staffing problems, some could have problems with expertise, some could have problems with uh, uh, facility and some financially. Um, But none of this could stop us if we really uh, had uh, at least one or the other. And um, with regards to staffing uh, and, and expertise, you know, we could always share uh, the testing with other hospitals and uh, in fact uh, even hospital Kuala Lumpur when we needed to establish an infrastructure we didn't have the space and uh, so we collaborated with IMR who was just our neighbour and they gave us a space and and we shared their equipment and and so finally when we uh, got a little bit more uh, financially uh, uh, equipped, Uh, we could get our our, uh, platforms for the PCR and sequencing and we expanded our lab. Um, So there are many ways to do it, uh, as I I mentioned. And um, after the local attachments, um, I went overseas. Uh, So my my overseas attachment was uh, mostly in France Um, And I I feel happy to say that, you know, I've been given uh, the chance to be attached to really good centers. Uh, One was the clinical and uh, experimental laboratory in uh, University Cote d'Azur Hospital Pasteur in Nice, France, under uh, Prof. uh, Paul Hoffman who is very well known for establishing the liquid biopsy. And uh, his lab is uh, just outstandingly uh, uh, famous with um, uh, lung cancer molecular testing. And so he has all the platforms and I could learn everything. And he also had the biobanking within the routine flow of uh, a diagnostic um, uh, histopathological uh, tissue of blood. Uh, and so I could implement this uh, into uh, the Ministry of Health uh, easily. And I'm so glad to have that experience. Uh, and that was for three months. Uh, another three months, um, I was under Dr. Ian Cree, uh, another famous uh, pathologist who had a lot of experience with um, setting up molecular labs. And um, now he's actually heading the uh, uh, WHO Cancer Classification Blue Books, which are the Bible of uh, most anatomic pathologists. Uh, and I, I got a first-hand um, experience of knowing how the entire Blue Book was done, and that uh, is just amazing. Um, and now my uh, uh, My whole view over the blue books, is just totally different when I use it and um, after that, uh, also in the International Academy of uh, Cancer Research belonging to the WHO uh, in Lyon, I uh, managed to get into um, the training at the IARC Biobank uh, under Dr. Zisis Kozlakidis was also the previous head for the ISBA organization, which is one of the um, famous and important establishment uh, organization for biobanking. And meanwhile, you know, I tried to uh, also uh, attach myself to other uh, cancer hospitals around the vicinity of Lyon and Nice to see their molecular tests and biobanking that they do in their hospitals. So I think uh, in the long run, when we are doing a, a sub training, we have to be very, very resourceful in order to get the right um, uh, loops to, to look at the different uh, ways uh, these testings are done or, or a particular uh, clinical or surgical uh, treatment or management is done uh, before we can come back as a subspecialist, and um, because the, it's really a heavy weight on our shoulders to establish something that is new, you know, in, uh, for the uh, nationally. So I, I really wanted to make sure that I knew what I was doing and I know what I'm talking about. So uh, I hope I've answered
0: <laughs> some part of your question. <laughs> yes, yes, you have indeed. Um, So, but can you just tell us in a nutshell, how will molecular pathology, in anatomic pathology especially, because that that is your field, help us in the future of medicine? Well, um, right now, actually, it's
1: quite well-known and well-established, actually, um, among the clinicians, the oncologists, and even the pathologists, uh, that molecular pathology is very, very important. Uh, when I say molecular pathology, actually, there are two types of um, testing. We have the genetic testing for chromosomal-related um, or germline-related uh, diseases of cancers. And um, we have the somatic mutations of cancers um, that we do targeted testing. Um, so, uh, and when you talk about uh, molecular pathology, we talk about uh, polymerase chain reaction, the PCR, the fish testing, and now of course the next generation sequencing test where you can uh, test multiple genes all at one go uh, of a particular patient. But how does all this help uh, is what we call precision medicine. Uh, or personalized medicine, uh, whereby um, nowadays, uh, patients are not managed um, by just a chemotherapy or radiotherapy in general, just because you have a colorectal cancer or you have a breast cancer. Every individual patient now is treated according to their genetic mutation. And uh, and this is, is, uh, we are able to find this out Uh, how is by molecular testing where we find out what kind of mutation the patient actually have and there are targeted biomarker drugs which are now out there in the uh, pharmacodynamics which uh, uh, is available for the patient to uh, take and uh, and it gives a larger overall survival, a longer progression-free survival of uh, their disease um, and a longer lifespan basically for their disease. And we also have immunotherapy now, whereby if all else fails, if even the biomarker fails, the patient can still uh, find some benefit with immunotherapies uh, where they have drugs for this as well. And nowadays chemotherapy and radiotherapy Yes, they are still there, but they are given in combination with this target. And so management of a patient has become very, very personalized. And this is really, really uh, good in terms of uh, cancer management for
0: patients. Wow, thank you, Subha. It seems like really exciting times ahead for us. Subha, along the way, is there any mentor that you'd like to acknowledge, or any inspirational figure that helped you to keep your focus before we, we wrap things up? Was there anyone that you'd like to acknowledge or share about? It's a tough question, uh, actually, <laughs> compared to all the questions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I say the best one last. Because actually I have been very, very blessed with uh, good bosses and supervisors guiding and uh, giving me the opportunities along my entire journey throughout my medical career. So I, um, so just to say one inspirational figure, I think that is really unfair because they all have contributed in uh, many different ways for me but I guess the one person that always helps me keep my focus is my dad. So (laughs) it's not a doctor, Um, my dad and as because as throughout my childhood, he only told me one thing, uh, Subha you have to strive to be better than your parents in life and he kept chanting this throughout my childhood and it's so much so ingrained into my mind And so I always felt how how was I going to do that as uh, you know my parents themselves, they're such high achievers, especially coming from poor backgrounds. And now the and throughout my childhood, you know, they've never lacked in giving me the best in life growing up. So I, I I feel that it's such a big challenge. But I think now now that I'm in this stage and I see them smiling, I see my dad smiling. And when I came back from my subspecialty, my dad cried, you know, and he said, um, you know, I kept telling you, uh, you have to be better than your parents and you are right now. And so I'm so happy to hear him say that. And so I thank you that for giving me that focus and that strive in life. And I love you.
0: Oh, oh that's so lovely suba um thank you so much for sharing um you know pockets uh, of your journey and life it was wonderful to hear and it is inspirational to me too um so that i too can follow in your footsteps and find a niche soon okay thank thank you so much suba for your time most welcome anees um
1: Hope
0: to see you soon. To make a suggestion of someone that would make a great guest or topic you would like to hear more about, please visit us at labop.org. That's l a b o p dot org.